this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm a social pariah forever, and I'm Evan. I'm Confederate Monuments in the Shape of a Penis, and I'm Ronnie. If you can tell by those very good introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We're currently covering Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunters. Before we get into that, I have a bit. What's the bit? What is it? What's the bit? 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 Tell me. Tell me. Tell me what the bit is. What's the bit, Andy? Tell me what's the bit. Tell me. What's the bit? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the The bit is, uh, I heard that it's someone's birthday. Happy birthday, Ronnie. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my birthday's coming up uh, this yeah. weekend. You're, you're, you're listening to this on a Friday, but this weekend will be will be my birthday. Th- thank you so much for wishing me that. Um, you're so welcome, Ronnie. It's, I'm it's, so happy for you. It's so funny that, you know, that you you say that because I also heard a little birdie told me that it's somebody else's birthday that I oh. know. Oh, was it the birds? It was uh, it, the, the, the birds like from the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. Well, the bird that told you, was it was it that bird's birthday? No, it was not that bird's birthday. It was my very good friend Andy's birthday. <gasps> Happy birthday. That's me. Oh, oh boy. Happy birthday, Andy. Happy birthday, Ronnie. Hey, this is fun. This is fun. Wouldn't it be wild if it was the same day? I, it, well, I mean, that would, that would be pretty exceptional. That would be pretty exceptional if two people who uh, never met each other until their 20s, uh, became very good friends and then found out uh, that their birthday was on the exact same day. That'd be wild. That would be pretty astounding. You know what would be even more wild? What's that? Is if uh, they made an internet friend through their shared interest and hobby of podcasts, and it was that super cool friend's same exact birthday. That would be just bonkers. That would that is that is you are like that is like monkeys on typewriters at this point. The probability is so low of that happening. I was in that play. Were you? Yeah, yeah I was in you words, probably words, words. would be. Yeah, I, I was great. Yeah. Uh, but Ronnie, uh, yeah. if if it's your birthday, how old are you turning? I am gonna be uh, a fresh faced thirty. This weekend, I'm, I'm turning the old three o. How about that's, you, Andy? What, how, how old? How old are you turning? I just want to say, Ronnie, that's yeah. an excellent choice. That's super sexy of you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've been I've been planning it for uh, quite some time now. Well done, well thank done, you. thank you. And, and you and you and yours and your age and the age you're turning this this birthday of yours. I'm also turning 30, baby. Turning 30. Wow. Turning 30. Good stuff. I I like I got to catch up to Evan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Evan. Evan, you're here, too. Evan. Hi, Evan. Yeah. That is how the nature of linear time works. I've heard. Yeah. I got to catch up to you. Got to catch up. You'll catch you. You, You'll catch him. I bet you will. I bet you. Yeah. I'm going to tackle him. Yeah. Um, Hey, Evan. Yeah. Uh, Anything you want to say to Ronnie and I? 
Happy birthday to two Thanks. of my favorite people. Oh, boy. What'd you get also, us? Also, it was, um, what? Uh, would you get us gifts? Podcast? Uh, we'll reveal the gifts here on the well, podcast that you got us? I have, I have good news for you, Ronnie. Um, I never gave you your Christmas present, so that's your birthday <laughs> present now. Hey! Hooray for me! It's from both of us. It's, it's very excellent. good. I love Andy that. has not received their birthday present yet, but it's good, and I had a I had a good idea. I had a good thought, and uh, they're gonna love it. I can't wait. You keep talking it up. I'm so fucking ready. Also, very important birthday, uh, housemate Kim's birthday. Housemate Kim, happy housemate birthday, Kim. housemate Kim. Happy birthday, Kim. Uh, I wish. I guess it will have been two days ago relative to the date this podcast airs. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Should we reveal who our third? Uh, uh, August 9, looking fine, friend, is? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's the very good Leo bringing that hot, hot Leo energy. Uh, Val Patron. Uh, Val Patron is fucking cool. You know him. You love him. Just, it's, it's excellent. It's excellent. It's good. We're the best, we're the best birthday kids in the business. If, um, if people wanted to... I don't know, either celebrate our birthday with us, Ronnie and Val, or maybe get some good, good, like Leo life advice and wisdom. Sure. Uh, How could they how could they do it? Uh, Well, I mean, you know, we we all have phone numbers, uh, which which I I do refuse to to divulge here on the podcast. So that's not going to be super helpful. Um, uh, we, We haven't set up the P.O. box yet. I guess the best way would be. To subscribe to the um, Where They May Radio Patreon or uh, the uh, Paper Boat Productions Patreon, where there is going to be, I I guess there's going to be a uh, August 9 looking fine uh, birthday spectacular uh, available for uh, the patrons. That's fucking rad. That's dope. Uh, it's pretty cool. So for just like five nickels a day, you could sponsor a Leo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I will say, I do not know the the tier that it will be uh, at <laughs> over Paper Boat Productions. Uh, I will say that for just $2 a month, you can get that good, good Leo heat over at the Where They May Radio Patreon. I do not want to be undercutting them. I don't know where they're placing it at. Um, but you can. Uh, we're we're not in charge over there. We're not. We're, we're, they they have. Uh, we have asked. We have tried to join the board meetings, and they have de- decidedly said you you don't go here. This isn't your Patreon. Um, but they have cool mugs, and so we stole a couple of those on the way out. We we joined one meeting, uh-huh. and the the chaotic energy between Ronnie, Val, and I this close to our birthday. They were like, "Never yeah. again, yeah, never, never again." again. That sounds about right. Never That's again. why we started leave. where they made radio. <laughs> um, but yeah, now that we've lost every new listener from yeah. this. Absurd start to an episode. This, this, I'm two for two. We this, had to cut out the last bit. This um, what is it? A, a just happy birthday to ourselves that turned into a commercial for our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good. We're, we're expensive, baby. We are. We're expensive. We're worth it, though. Mm-hmm. 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 Thank you for right. uh, for enduring that, Evan. For, for for being there for both of us in our in this most excellent time, our birthday. My birthday's in October. I guess that was the bit. 
We love it. Your your birthday's great. I like your birthday. Thank you. I, I thought the bit was just a birthday acknowledgement. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You got a good birthday. Um, I feel like I wanted to talk more about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I do really... I'm, I'm pretty jazzed that it is my birthday and Ronnie's birthday. Yeah. And Val Patron's birthday. And that we have this special exclusive episode that you mm-hmm. can pay us to celebrate with us. But it's yeah, let's gift. talk about this it's show. It's a I guess. gift to us. It's it's our yeah. it's your way of celebrating our birthday with us. There's a cover charge on celebrating our birthday. Yeah. What's this show? What's what, I, I was, what, are, what are we doing? Yeah, I was gonna ask if we could talk about the show. Let's talk about teenage. Bounty Hunters. Teenage Bounty Hunters, the show. Uh, for this episode of Endypendia, we watched episodes three and four and five. Episode three is called This Must Be How Dumb Kids Feel. Everybody at school has found out that Sterling had sex with her boyfriend. Um, and she's feeling very, very socially shunned about it. She's facing a lot of social uncomfortable consequences. Um, meanwhile, you will remember it, there was an incident we commented on in the previous series of episodes where Blair, uh, was kind of like, quote unquote, seducing Miles, this guy who works at the, uh, country club her parents go to for information. And we were like, oh, that sucks. That was really shitty of her. Um, he asks her on a date in this episode and she like reluctantly agrees to go and she's like, oh, I'm going to make this the shittiest date ever on purpose. So she takes him to um, Costco. It's not Costco, but it's meant to be cost. They call it bargain hole and they have little food samples and stuff. Uh, and she immediately regrets this choice because when he turns up not in his work uniform, she realizes that he's hot. This is the most convincing uh, like girl lets hair down and takes off glasses and becomes pretty <laughs> thing I've ever seen because it, this is 100% true in real life. If you see somebody in the visor they wear at their fast food job and a, a slightly greasy um, polo shirt, that's not how they look in real life. So yeah. she um, <laughs> uh, she had no interest in this guy when he was like at the country club in his valet uniform, but suddenly he turns up to this date and she's like, oh no, I'm extremely attracted to him actually. And then she desperately tries to salvage the date and he's like, "Mm, I'm going to a party later. This date sucks. And she's like, I'm going to come with you to the party. (laughs) And, uh, and so Blair goes to try to impress him. Sterling also goes. Meanwhile, while all this is happening there, the case, the case that they're bounty hunting this episode is, uh, a woman who's cutting the heads off Confederate statues in town. Uh, this is kind of the B plot, though. So they're at the party. Uh, Blair is kind of making a fool of herself by being a little bit uh, like white and privileged and inept around other people, like intellectual black folks. And so she's like kind of making an ass of herself. Sterling is getting really, really drunk, and while drunk and staring at a map of Atlanta, she realizes where the, uh, the girl cutting off statue heads is gonna hit next, and so they meet Bowser there, and they catch her, but they're like, actually, just keep cutting the head off the statue, and we'll arrest you when you're done. Sterling gets in a lot of trouble, both at school and 
uh, with her mom for having been at that college party and getting drunk and posting about it on Instagram. But uh, at school, this actually sort of helps her social situation a little bit because people are so interested to hear about her uh, like moral decline that it almost comes back around the other side and makes her cool. Um, but her mom is not having it and makes her sleep in a tent in the yard. Episode four, their mom has a book club meeting uh, with all of her like rich white lady friends. They use this, the twins use this book club meeting uh, to try to get uh, a, a mark. They call them skips. This is some bounty hunter lingo, but they're trying to catch somebody who's like a counterfeit jewelry salesperson basically who's selling like cheap jewelry and pretending it's like high end so they use this book club as a way to like lure this fake jewelry salesman into well they think it's a saleswoman into this uh party meanwhile at this fancy party uh miles who is now dating blair turns up and he's like oh yeah I'm, uh, I'm making a little extra side money, and I'm also getting to hang out with you all day, because I'm gonna be your mom's valet for her, like, fancy rich lady party. Blair's super uncomfortable with this. The, the woman they were trying to lure into this trap to take to jail, uh, like, gave up this game and move on to something else, and this guy basically, like, stole her identity and pretended to be working for her, so he's doing crimes also, but he's not the one who has a bounty on him. So they're like, well, fuck. Well, fuck, we can't do anything about this now. Uh, we also, in this episode, get some backstory on Bowser. Uh, he used to be a cop. Uh, and there's this, like, scene where you think there that, like, the way it's phrased, the audience is meant to think that he shot another officer, but in telling the story later, uh, you realize that he actually was, like, a mounted cop and accidentally uh, grazed the horse that he was riding because he thought he heard a gunshot at a gay pride parade and the horse was fine. It just lost some teeth. So that, that turned out much less dramatic than the story would have had you believe. Uh, episode six, um, Blair and Miles are really going places with their relationship and simultaneously, um, remember how I said Sterling, uh, was in a lot of trouble for drinking uh, at that party, her mom also finds out that Blair, or, um, I'm sorry, Sterling has been having sex with Luke, her boyfriend, and, uh, her mom and Luke's mom decides that, decide that Blair and Luke have to break up, um, because, you know, they're children and this is unacceptable. So, at first... Blair and Luke are like, I'll love you forever. This is a Romeo and Juliet situation. But then Blair starts to actually kind of really like not dedicating all of her time to her boyfriend. And she realized like, wow, I, um, I've spent all of my spare time since fifth grade, like hanging out with this dude. And maybe I have hobbies and interests that I like that don't involve him. Another main plot point of this is that a substitute teacher died. So Blair starts uh, planning a memorial service for him, and Luke tries to help her, and throughout this, uh, she is going really hard on, like, planning and, like, graphic designing the flyers and, like, writing a speech, and Luke is just, like, following her around like a puppy, and she starts to get really, really annoyed with him. 
Blair is getting concerned about like the existential concept of death because like no one that close to her in her life has ever like died that she's been aware of. And so she's like having kind of this like struggle with her faith and with the concept of death. And that manifests as her thinking she's seeing the ghost of this substitute teacher everywhere. Then the mark that they're after in this one, the skip is the is the correct word, is a um, an exotic dancer named uh, Cherry Grigio. She's just like got a bunch of parking tickets or something like that. And so like they go to a strip club to arrest her and she ends up pulling all of these like weird technicalities like oh i have my kid with me and you can't actually take me to jail unless you ensure the welfare of this child and oops i just took an edible and you can't take me in while i'm uh under the influence because i didn't know that was a thing but that's a thing so she's just like dragging this whole process on and so they're just in this strip club for a very long time hanging out and having a good time um also uh, at the end, Miles and Blair have sex. Because they really like each other. And that's it. That's it. That's the whole yeah. thing. As a, these episodes are really jam-packed with stuff. Uh, especially because you're following... There's, like, this double narrative in every single one where they're doing some kind of bounty hunter thing, and then they're also, like, going through their regular life struggles. So, yeah, a lot going on. There is um, so much going on and so much to like at the same time. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to preface too much, but like uh, A B C plots all all fun. Yeah, they all hit. This they is all- like. That's another reason it's hard to summarize then, because there's not, like, a boring thing that I can right. leave out. Like, everything actually feels important. All the stuff that's going on feels important, so I gotta, mm-hmm. like, cover it. Sorry, we're already talking about the show. It's good, uh, it's good. Yeah. I'm uh, not. I'm following the format. Okay. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and, uh, and, and get back on that format train <laughs> and uh, ask Andy. That's me. Birthday, birthday Andy. Birthday Andy. Uh, these three episodes of Teenage Bounty Hunters, do they work for you? Uh, this show fucking rules. This show is so, so good. And I'm not going to say anything more than that because I'm following the format. (laughs) Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, Evan. Hey, Evan. Yes, both birthday tyrants. Wow. That's us. That is us. Did Feels you know that if like you that. if you watch three episodes of this show and then times it by 10, you get 30? I wish there were 30 episodes. And then if there show. were 30, that would be one episode for each. For each year. Year that Ronnie and mm-hmm. I have been yeah. Any, uh, podcasting. Yeah. Whoa. Had- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, hey, Evan. Yeah. Ronnie has a question for you. Birthday, Ronnie. Hey, oh, birthday, thank, Ronnie. Thank, thank you, birthday, question? Andy. Uh, these three episodes of uh, Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunters. Do they work for you? Hell yeah. They ruled. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, hey Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, birthday, Ronnie. Birthday, hey, birthday, yeah. Ronnie. Did. These. Three. Birthdays. Of. Netflix's. Teenage. Birthdays. 
Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> For a thing? For you. Speaking of three birthdays, do you think about Andy that in our in, in three birthdays from now will be our Jesus year? Uh, yeah, I think about that a lot. Yeah. I, I thought Is so. that a thing that Christians care about? Yeah, that's the that's the uh, that's the how long Jesus's ministry lasted. 30 to 33, baby. Uh, did you also think, Ronnie, that three episodes is one for you, me and Val? There you go. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the true Holy Trinity. I love how we're like UFO hunters saying this, this, <laughs> yeah, this podcast. You're doing some fucking like wild numerology Bible code <laughs> mm-hmm, shit here mm-hmm. with, but with your birthday in this show, right? Yeah. Uh, these three episodes uh, absolutely ruled. I loved them. Yeah, it's really good. It's such I'm a really, good show. I'm excited to watch the show every time we sit down yes. and watch it, and that almost never happens on ending pending. Even even when the shows are good, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so busy, I just don't feel like it. Uh, but like, I'm stoked to watch more of the show. It's such mm-hmm. a good show. I, uh, we, we, we talk about it often that we have kind of a problem on this show where like we are watching episodes kind of in a condensed format, which is not how they were intended to be watched. Um, I am trying my best to give this show like to like savor it, to like really, really like drag it out, like make sure I'm watching like an episode a night kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when I have to sit down and like burn through three of these, I'm like, not only is it an enjoyable experience, I'm hyped about it before I start. I know mm-hmm. it's going to be a good time. What's truly buck wild is that the three of us spend a lot of time watching TV. Yeah. Because we, we have to, for this podcast, we spend a lot of time watching Netflix shows because Netflix likes to cancel shows mm-hmm. i had never heard of this Mm-mm. me either no. i had I, never heard of I this i wish i had heard of it so that we could have given it our eyeballs so that it would have got better ratings because this show fucking rules although i don't know if they canceled it because of ratings or because of covid reasons i don't know but um yeah it's it's a dope show it's really good yeah this show has made me care about characters that I did not expect to care about. I did not think I would like the parents. Mm -hmm. And I, well, I still don't like the parents, but I I get them now. I see them as people now. I, I don't know. Like might not be a, I'm like, I'm enjoying watching them is what I mean. Like the shit with the dad and the grandfather. I enjoyed watching those scenes. I really liked like learning about the parents and the, the fucking, penguin axe joke like it's good shit it's funny the dad going up the stairs and tripping a little bit after quitting his job so you got your husband back and he's like strolling off all confident and then he trips a little bit like it's really good shit it's it's they're great characters it it truly like it has excellent characters excellent heroes like the best heroes very good villains like mm-hmm. comically mm-hmm. evil villains, but like not absurd. Like nothing in this show feels like totally like outrageous that it would never happen. Uh, the- especially, especially when we're looking at like evangelical folks who like mm-hmm. when they're absurd, kind of take their absurdity very seriously. Um, it, it just like it. Every character kind of has 
a real experience to share. And, and you know, just like y'all said, like, I, I, I don't I don't love all of these characters, but I am extremely compelled by all of the stories that are going on here. The the humor is so fucking sharp. Yes. Yeah. too. I feel like I'm cussing a lot this episode, but it's a really damn good show. Mm-hmm. But the when they go into the museum curator and he he's worried that they're protesters because um what's his name is with them? Bowser. Bowser. Bowser is with them. And uh Bowser's like, "No, like I'm I'm a bounty hunter. I'm trying to hunt the person who's defacing the statues." And the museum guy is like shocked and then super pleased. And he goes, oh, the Ben Carson experiment must finally be working. And I, like, took a second. I was like, Ben Carson, I know that name. Who the fuck is Ben Carson? And then I was like, oh, my God. And I started cracking up. But it was, like, it was so understated. And, like, they had moved on in conversation. Like, it wasn't a thing. And, like, I was like, that was a joke. Who Who's Ben Carson, though? Because, like, I kind of went to Ben Shapiro first. Mm-hmm. But that didn't, that didn't track. And then I was like, oh, the... The, the 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 Republican the who ran for president, yeah, politician, guy. yeah, yeah. Uh, that Donald Trump gave a bad nickname to, like everyone mm-hmm. else. But like, took me a second, and then like, I was just dying laughing. It was very good bit. Um, I thought it was like very funny and also extremely, uh, like satisfying that the dad's boss was his dad like the mm-hmm. the so there was this scene where um uh the mom is like telling the daughters to behave because uh their dad is going to ask his boss for a promotion at their country club and then as the conversation goes on you realize that the boss he's talking about is his own dad whom he works for and of course that's why he's fucking fabulously wealthy and like has this extremely perfect manicured lawn and goes to a country club is because it's because generational wealth and um, like his parents, like the dad's parents, the main character's grandparents are like the most terrible people you could possibly imagine. But they also feel like, like everybody's met people like that. Mm -hmm. So like they're exaggerated, but in a way that feels extremely relatable. And also on that note, like you pointed out earlier, Ronnie, the 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 villain girl, I think her name is April at the yeah. school. The very like annoying, self-centered, uh, very self-righteous, like Christian girl who like wanted to be fellowship leader and like made Sterling give up her spot so she could be fellowship leader. That girl absolutely feels like the most annoying girl at your high school felt to you when you were in high school, you know, like she, her, she's definitely a, an exaggerated character character, but in a way that everybody, well, I assume I find extremely relatable. I'm like, Oh my God, I knew a girl like that who was just the worst. Right. So I, I, I truly like the episode episode three, like the like ostracizing of Sterling by all of like the evangelical like prayer group people. Mm-hmm. Um, it made my skin crawl. I hated it. It was like really, really rough to watch, but only because it is so real and it is so like 100% on the nose and not like, like I think we talked about this during um, 
Freaks and Geeks, where it was like, yeah, this is kind of real, but like, I don't always want like the full, like 100% real experience. This is real in a sense with that underpinning of like just really, really sharp comedy that like you're still like you're still like on board with the heroes. You're still, you know, fighting for um, fighting for Sterling, fighting for Blair. But like the and the and you hate the villains, but like only because it's like, damn, like I know these people like I know this exact uh, like gaslighting way of doing things. It sucks. And I. I, I can't help but just like be so intrigued by it all. There were four evangelical things that I thought they really fucking nailed. Mm-hmm. One was the a girl walks up to Claire. Blair. Blair. Whoops. I'm bad with names. If you listen to this podcast, you know it. Uh, walks up to Blair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, I couldn't remember if I had said Blair or if Evan had said Blair. <laughs> anyway, uh, this rando girl walks up to Blair and goes, I'm praying for you. And then like walks off and like she didn't have to say what she was praying about. But like Blair knew like that was weaponized Christianity mm-hmm. as a cutting remark. And it was perfect. Then um, the next one was. Blair's boyfriend, Chase. Miles. I was way off. Miles is in the locker room and he's being different. Different one. That's uh, his boyfriend is Miles. Sterling's Uh, boyfriend. Oh, uh, Luke. Sterling was the one who got lectured to. Anyway, Sterling's uh, boyfriend, Luke. Sterling's boyfriend, Luke. I was very off with Chase then. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> at least Miles, you can like chase someone from. My- anyway, uh, is in the locker room with his golf bros, and he they're golf, and they're confronting him over his sin. And the the one dude on the team who's clearly very distressed that he's heard that uh, Luke has been having sex is like screaming at him. And he's like, you had told us at Bible study that you were waiting for marriage. Was that just locker room talk to you? <laughs> and I, I busted a gut again. Cause like that is the sort of locker room talk that happens with like evangelical men's groups. Yeah. And it's also just as gross as if they were like, Right. Objectifying women in another in the other direction. Because like, it's, it's all still about objectifying. Agency. It's all yeah. about agency. It's like I am saving myself till marriage and I am like exerting my agency over this person who like we're not even talking about. We're just talking about this person as an object that I could have sex with. Yeah. And it's it's still gross and it's still like sex obsessed. It's still more about the physical act than about the relationship. It's just gross and nasty. And I thought that joke was a really funny way mm-hmm. of highlighting it. Um, the, um, the very stereotypically like jockey, dumb Christian guy that Luke is portraying here is like, so, so spot on. Like, so like, like fearful of like people finding out about like his sin and like not fully understanding everything. He's kind of being like yelled at from a lot of different angles and is like getting upset, but also is just like very like big and athletic and like 
has like is like upset that that is not like doing everything he needs it to do for him. Um, it's just like that 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 person exists, and I again despise that person. But like <laughs> he is doing, this actor is doing an amazing job of like I, making I me believe say- that he's like actually living that experience he does seem to like he does seem kind but yeah. i think it's because he's too dumb right to be malicious right mm-hmm. yeah like it is not he's a himbo it is not out of goodness that he is kind it is just because like he is too dumb to 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 be cruel yeah uh my final two evangelical high notes are testimony olympics where you turn the bad things you've done into a remarkable story of God's grace and it makes you popular. <laughs> and uh, people uh, will begin to exaggerate the bad things that they have done in order to uh, have a more impactful testimony. And it is very obvious and very clear when it happens uh, if you have any amount of like introspection or like the slightest eye for uh, critical thinking. Uh, But Sterling Mm -hmm. uh, uses this to great benefit. And then my last one is that when Luke is having his lowest point uh, and eating Cheetos on the floor of the sanctuary, he gets interrupted by the worship team. (laughs) And they're the cool bros that rally around him and kind of lift his spirits and encourage him. And if, if you have not been crying in an empty church and get walked in on by the worship team coming to practice (laughs) and, uh, they lift your souls, then you're not really an evangelical that's happened to every single one of us. And, the the worship team is always chill. Yeah. Um, Oh, I had something good. Now it's escaped me. I'm sorry that I, I had a, a long list there for just perfect evangelical moments in this show. Oh, I was going to put out that the um, the uh, the suffering Olympics thing, the like conversion Olympics thing that you were talking about is something that Ross and Carrie point out a lot in Ono, Ross and Carrie when they're listening because they join a bunch of like religious groups. They join cults. That's their whole shtick. And they always, like, speculate on people's backstories because there'll always be somebody who, like, comes up to give testimony to say, like, I was, uh, my life was a disaster. Uh, I was doing drugs. I was having sex with loose women. I was partying all the time. And then, then God found me and lifted me up out of the gutter. You know, like, every dorky guy in a polo shirt uh at these these churches they go to has some kind of dramatic conversion story like that so it was it was a bit funny to see it like kind of lampooned the thing evangelicals love the apostle paul and he is definitely the first guy to do this shit yeah yeah um in in the sort of category of lampooning i do really like about this show that it is making fun of the um, the the evangelical social structure. It's making fun of Christian social groups and Christian 
tropes, basically, but it's not making fun of the main characters for, like, having belief and for being kind of embroiled yeah. in this, because Sterling clearly really does believe and really is religious. She still thinks that her peers are a little bit silly. Like, she clearly thinks that some of the things they're doing are silly. But she seems to genuinely have faith and genuinely care about the Bible and being a good person. And she seems to genuinely fear, like, retribution from God. And the show kind of gave you the impression for a while that Blair didn't care as much about those things. But in these episodes, I think specifically in the second one, it's the one where the teacher dies. Like, Blair's grappling with her, uh, like, concept of death and her concept of the afterlife really kind of throws into sharp relief that she has been raised in the same environment Sterling has, and she obviously has this fear deep down inside her that if she's not a good person, she's going to go to hell, and she's just starting to kind of... uh like grapple with that visibly in this episode. So I think the show does a great job of not criticizing people for believing things and also not criticizing people for being a little bit brainwashed by these weird evangelical Christian things that they do. I think the teacher has also been a good example of that where the teacher is silly and kind of a little bit tacky, but uh, like, like Evan was saying, it seems like, she's genuine and the show is not like punishing her for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, um, part, I think part of what it is, is that like what we're seeing with, with um, Blair and with Sterling early on in the series, like I think I kind of quibbled with the fact that they were so didactic, like that there was so much going on, like that they, you know, we're making these uh, jokes and and references to things that are that are Christian and also like very down to earth and like okay with sex and it, and it felt like in Congress with each other. Um, but then you realize that like the show is saying like no no like nobody is like this two dimensional. Nobody is like truly this. Um, you know, uh, this this is the only experience and 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 we're all you know, just a, a dichotomy of those two things. Um, except for the fact that a lot of the characters in the school are very two dimensional. And I think that the show teases that, like it makes fun of that. It, it like pl- pokes fun at the teacher for being like, she has some like really good jokes and is like her, her the archetype that she plays of just like the very, very, you know, uh, went to school here, came back as a teacher and is extremely enthusiastic. Like that is like poked fun at the like absurdity of April. But when April kind of has some family trauma and her dad goes to jail, the show doesn't poke fun at that. Like when the characters Mm -hmm. begin to become three dimensional, the show's like, no, this is, this is like a, a lived experience. This is, this is life as it happens. We're not saying that's, absurd we're not saying that's ridiculous but this like character that all of these people are playing within these walls of this christian institution that is absurd and that is what we are going to you know down to like the the confederate sisters of the confederacy who are all men um like (laughs) they are two-dimensional through and through um and the show pokes fun at that but 
you know, when we when we take a closer look at Bowser, when we take a closer look at, at Blair and um, Sterling, you know, those are the things that are being celebrated, those differences, those things that, you know, show that, like, no person is a monolith, um, that there's more to us than that. Um, despite like the, the performance we put on for, for whoever's watching. I love that Bowser hates cops. Yeah. That was a huge addition that this show needed. Yeah. Uh, and it came early, uh, in these episodes, which was great. I loved the scene with the Satanists. Um, uh, Sterling is looking for a new group of friends, uh, after being kicked out of Bible study. And she like, at a low point is like, Oh, I'll hang out with the Satanists. And she goes over to them and she's like, yeah, like, like, do you guys do like witchcraft? Like it, it's clear that she's like amped herself up on a, uh, an evangelicals idea of what a Satanist is. And the kids are like, no, like we're atheists who like are really into like, social programs. programs and stuff yeah, and mutual aid and so and- she's like oh well like do you do rituals and like no we run like an after school club actually we need volunteers we'd love to have you like join us and yeah they're like mentoring uh disadvantaged youth or like d- they're like doing volunteering or something like that and she's hey. like ooh, oh no that sounds like way too much work yeah. like- <laughs> she dipped out because she's like oh i don't want to volunteer all the time and like do social activism ooh, it would have been easier much. to just be a satanist this, yeah. this is too yeah. much it's very funny yeah um there was a third goof that i really liked i don't remember it but I'll say this for the stripper episode, which I thought was great, is that uh, the strippers were sexy, but they did not feel sexualized to me, at least. The, st- it was, the strip club scene was interesting because it was not portrayed as like dirty and gross. It was like a yeah. very like classy uh, strip club. And it didn't the way- seem fantasy, though. Like, like there yeah. are like fantasy, classy strip clubs. It seemed mm-hmm. like. A strip club in town, but it was not, you know, like gross TV strip club. Yeah. And the way that the girls reacted to it really informed the the viewers yeah. reaction to it. I felt because they were in there like, wow, this is so cool. Look at these women. Wow. That that lady's butt crack goes so high up her back. That's wild. They were just like. They were having a great time, but not mm-hmm. in like a sexual way. You and know, also- they were like. Also, I'll add they were talking about how like how confident these women were in their bodies and how empowering this was. It wasn't just like this is an oddity. It was like, wow, this is like a real place where women can just be women. Um, Uh, And I don't know. I don't know how true that is. Sure, sure. Your mileage may vary there, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's a mixed bag, but just they were so they had such like a positive reaction to it. And like they clearly were looking at it from like kind of their sheltered perspective but they just thought they were just tickled by it they just thought the strip club was like the coolest thing they had ever seen and uh were like they were like talking to the strippers like wow do you do you like your job like they were just having a great time and i think that was an important tone setter for the strip club because it didn't it made it not feel sleazy also like the way that way it was staged you know like there were there were like topless women in these scenes. There yeah. was a lot of nudity in these there, scenes. There were very attractive women 
But I will say this too. Like they weren't all rail thin. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, and I, and I think this, this like goes back to what we were talking about with like these, you know, uh, we do realize that these teens quote unquote teens are being played by adults, but they're not like, they don't look like the characters on Riverdale. Um, I've seen movies and stuff like Deadpool is a good example of like the strippers in that film are just like ridiculous, like, like uh, they are real women. And so I I don't want to say like, you know, but, but they are all very much match a very particular archetype and they all look Mm -hmm. exactly the same in this. There is a lot of variety. There is a lot of uh, diversity of like, bodies and things like that and it feels it just feels real it feels more lived in than what could be just far more sexualized far more uh glamorizing and glorifying one particular body type over another and and to to kind of evan's point about you know how it was lit and how it was shot and the character's reaction to it are there strip clubs that are problematic i'm sure there are Are there strip clubs that are not problematic? I'm sure there are. How often do you see uh, a non-problematic portrayal Mm -hmm. of a strip club in a TV show? I think this is the first time I've ever seen one. Right, yeah. Where it was like, this is not, like, sex work is not a negative, inherently negative thing. Right. And uh, I just thought that was cool. It's, and it's also, like, a place that, like, people are kind of just, like, hanging out. Like, it's not, like... I, I don't know, it, it, which, you know, it's 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 not just like a bunch of people just like ogling the stage and like the characters are not like objectifying the women. The women seem in control in this situation. And that mm-hmm. like is like like we've said, whether that is reality in, in strip clubs like this or not, that felt um, good to see. Um, yeah, the other I, the God. Uh, I do want to point out that a character previously established as very cool and interesting was also at the strip club. Uh, there was like another bounty hunter that yes. uh, the, the twins were like kind of like fangirling over, not in like a, the, like he was definitely a much older man and I didn't yeah. get the vibe that they were like sexually attracted to him. They just thought he was super cool. Yeah. And he was like a real slick guy and they were kind of idolizing him as I a wanna, cooler cooler bounty hunter mentor than their bounty hunter right. mentor. Who they I do also wanna, I want to talk about this yeah. bounty hunter. Um okay. because the, he's set up um we we talked about him last week on um where he they were like watching a YouTube video and showing Bowser like you got to do it more like him. Um and like that, like um, he seemed kind of in the YouTube video a little bit like over the top, a little bit dramatic, a little bit of like a jerk kind of person. Um, and we, I think we were expected to, you know, f- believe that that was the case um, because Bowser did not like him. And then we realized that, like, he's he's a little bit much. He's a little over the top, but he's actually just like a super chill dude. And like, mm-hmm. I loved every, every time there's like a roadblock that the, um, that the dancer that, uh, Cherry Grigio sets up in Bowser's path. Um, the, the other bounty hunter who is played by, uh, Method Man, the rapper Method Man of the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, he comes up behind Bowser and he's like, whoa, 
Another obstacle in your path. Interested to see how you overcome this one, bud, in a very sincere way. And like when Bowser brushes him off, he's just like, well, all right, I'll go back and sit down. Like it's it is just like. The character is being played so, so well, Um, and I, I enjoyed him so much more than I thought I was going to when he first appeared in this episode. I've never seen exposition done in a more fun way. Yeah. Yeah. Because like uh, um, Cherry kept doing things to prevent Bowser from like arresting her. And this other bounty hunter guy would just like poke his head into the frame and be like, "Mm, she's right. You can't (laughs) arrest someone when they have a child with them unless you have a, a place for that child to go where it will be in a secure situation. And like it just, it worked. It's difficult to explain why it yeah. worked, but this character's demeanor throughout yeah. just made this, like, very helpful exposition. Well, because it feel feels like, like it he's was... being, it feels like he's being helpful to Bowser when Bowser does mm-hmm. not want him to be. Like, the entire time he's like, you gotta relax, man. You gotta take some time for you and just, like, let these things go. And, like, he's he's actively like, yeah, you can't take her in when she's under the influence that's that's something that you know you it's just it it he is he is being very chill he is very likable and Bowser is just so angry at that that it's it's the comedy comes through like so pointed and so direct because we like Bowser Bowser is like an excellent yeah. character and so it's like so funny to see Bowser kind of play against this like could be like a real villain just like a kind of like competitive foil I Something that I was worried about in in uh, the party episode was um, Blair's Blair's the dark haired yeah Blair's boyfriend Miles Miles thank you uh, kind of like shoots down Blair uh, caring about the statues being destroyed and like he does have a point in that she like kind of white liberal sticks her foot in her mouth. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, miles brings up like whose taxes are going to pay for it and stuff like that. And like, I was just like, Oh, like, you know, gosh, I, I don't want, you know, necessarily like a young black character to be shooting down you know, Blair in this moment, like, I just don't want it to be like, oh, well, like there are, there are good people on both sides of the Confederate Mm -hmm. statue debate. And, um, literally an episode later, we find out that miles is extremely privileged. His (laughs) mom is a Senator. His dad is a lawyer. He has more money than, uh, Blair and Sterling do. And the the comment that he made about taxes, I then immediately saw in a different light. Yeah. And um, I am not a person of color. It is not necessarily for me to parse the intricacies of the political statements of every black character in the show. But I just thought that was um, it put like my unease at end that like the audience isn't necessarily supposed to side with Miles's perspective on everything. I think at the end of the day, Bowser and the statue destroyer are the two black characters 
and just the two characters in general that like, yeah, they're the ones who are maybe shown as the moral compass of that episode and that issue. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm still like, because of the subject matter of the show with evangelicals, I'm like looking to be disappointed and surprised at something bad. And every time I'm uneasy about something, the show is like, Hey, just hold on. Like miles is super fucking rich. And like, that's going to inform some of his, uh, political statements and, you know, things like that. So yeah, I just need to sit back and chill. The, the scene where miles is revealed to be super rich also was an excellent scene because you, it, it told you something about Blair and it told you something about him. And it told you a lot about like, Blair's perspective on the world and how she's a good person, but still, you know, kind of is also capable of stereotyping unintentionally. Cause so she, when she's getting really, she's, she's got like a big crush on miles after their first date. She like clearly is just stoked about him and won't shut up about him. And so like she and Sterling are in the car and she's just talking about, uh, how hard miles has had to work. Like he had to get that, that job as a valet to pay for his own car. And Sterling, did you know his mom works two jobs? Miles is like the salt of the earth. And this is like a large part of the reason why she's so embarrassed that he is like temporarily working for her mom as a valet for this rich lady party. Cause she thinks that she is being like the terrible white person here. Uh- but then at the end of that episode, they drive up to his house and it's this massive, massive mansion. And she's like, uh, I thought you said your mom worked two jobs. And he's like, yeah, she's a senator and a lawyer. And then Blair was like, and your dad? And Miles is like, he owns a bank. (laughs) So like, it was just, it was a very good scene that like illustrated very well how like all of us have these like, stereotypes in our mm-hmm. head that we are unintentionally but still uh uh negatively applying to minorities and it's with like Blair was clearly not being malicious in making these assumptions but um yeah that's a, that's a thing that white people do all yeah. the time no one's a monolith that's that's kind of like what this mm-hmm. show i feel like is trying to to push uh i loved the twin talk where Sterling is drunk. (laughs) The twins have been shown to have this, uh, Zach asks saved by the bell telepathy where they look at each other and they can tell, you know, what the other's thinking and like time kind of freezes and they, they have like a conversation and to be clear, I don't think this is meant to be literal. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's like, I don't think Zach is stopping time and saved by the bell. I know know that there are like YouTube fan theories that Zach is a powerful cosmic deity, but like, you know, it's not really happening. It's like Shakespeare, you know, talking to the crowd. Uh, But yeah, they they go to have their twin talk at the party and Sterling is shit faced and it is so goddamn funny. And the fact that we had had at that point, like three and a half episodes to like or Mm -hmm. two and a half episodes to like get used to this ability and then see it happen and it just go 
horribly like wrong is so funny. Yeah, they do the face zoom in, and then Sterling is just like, and then Blair is like distressed because she was in some kind of situation where she's like, oh no, I need sister advice, and like. What uh Sterling is just over there like eating a pizza with a jello shot smashed on it and incoherent, absolutely incoherent in the in the twin talk brain mind moment. Um similarly to how what we were saying earlier about how we care about these characters who we don't really have any business caring about. Um the scene, so the at the end of episode five after the uh funeral for the teacher that that nobody remembers um who choked on a literal uncrustables they said it was like a, a crustless peanut butter and jelly it was like a in the package uncrustable which like what what a way to go mm-hmm. um after the funeral um sterling breaks up with luke um and like he is like going full man child like he is he is really just not dealing with it well but yet it still hits like it's it hits still so hard. It still is like very sentimental and raw and like and like I've experienced the the like not just like the like dopey like cry anguish, but like legitimate like, you know, uh, sadness that that he's experiencing in that moment. And it's like. Yes, this show did this like this show earned this Mm -hmm. because I wrote earlier, like in episode three, where they're in the auditorium in the sanctuary. It's just like Luke is so one note. And so that guy that it makes me like Sterling less for like hitching her wagon to him. And Mm -hmm. like that immediately pays off like later, like where it's like I did not in my wildest dream think she would be breaking up with him during the course of this season. Yeah. I'm very glad she did, though, because one of my yeah. biggest complaints about these shows always is like, well, the status quo has been maintained and this show is not afraid to do things. It's not afraid to, like, develop characters and change things. And uh, I I am I, delighted that she broke up with him because I agree. I, I feel like I interrupted you there, though, Ronnie. I'm sorry. No, I was I, I just it, it, the, the show did the work like the show yeah. like made us care about this character, not solely so that like he could have his heart broken, but like the show did the work. It made us like interested in this character. It made us kind of like nonplussed by this character, kind of like very like, OK, well, he's around and he's kind of like his his like dumbness is kind of funny sometimes uh, until it's grating. And then like was just like nope now now they're broken up and it was just like oh but since fifth grade though oh and it's it's it was it was very well done i'll say that it made me think of early breakups i had in my like dating history like it he is silly and he is going full like man child but it like you said ronnie it impacts it it that scene fully works uh, like the 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 kind of funny aspect of it still kind of works, but it is also like extremely emotional and impactful. And you and you can speak to the fact of like the entire episode. He is like, yeah, I've already got our wedding planned out and I've already got our funerals planned out and I've already got the way that we, you know, we, we parent our kids planned out. Like that is like such a like Christian dude thing of just like, I know I'm going to marry you and we're going to live together forever. 
like even into into eternity in the kingdom of God. And like, I've got it all planned out for us. And it's like, it's the same, same conversation before of just like, Ooh, my agency is not at play at all here. All of Sterling's lines too, were really good. Yeah. In the breakup. Yeah. Like, yeah. Solid, solid breakup scene. Yeah. And then she goes, they, they talk earlier about like how sad it was that someone was playing mini golf by themselves. And Sterling goes and plays mini golf by herself and takes some selfies. She's she's a new woman. And now even that, even that, that was real silly, but it was it was uh it was a good moment. Everything works thematically. Yeah. It all comes back around. Anything else positive? I mean, there's just there's just a lot. There's there's, yeah, I mean, there's stuff that we didn't even touch on because this show is so jam-packed. It's so good. Yeah. Sentimental I, I, moments between like Sterling and, and the mom like that, like strangely, like m- made me like this mother who has been like a straight up villain up to this point. Oh, the moment where the 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 kids are laying in bed saying the the five saddest things they can think of and they're going back and forth. And then one of them goes people without sisters. Mm. Oh. Oh, my heart. Love these these characters very yeah. much. I love I, comedies where people care about each other. This is why yeah. I love Bob's Burgers. Yeah, the camaraderie here between between Blair and and um, and Sterling is very good. It's, it's like they are always on each other's side, always looking out for each other. Like not like overbearing, but like they are they are a team, and it's just it's nice to see that. I don't have any negatives. Not that I can recall. I, I have one. Okay. I have one as well. Okay. Um, Ronnie, do you want to go first or second? You I'll, pick. You're the birthday boy. I'll go first. Uh, well, do okay. you want to go first or second? Because uh, you, you, you are. It is, it is also your birthday. Uh, no, you can go first. You said it already. So. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Happy you, birthday. though. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, by the way. Yeah. Happy birthday. Um. So we learn in this that um. Uh, Bowser was a cop and uh, we learn that Bowser is no longer a cop and that there is like some like that you know was was tenuous um, and as as you said Evan we later learn that he uh, shot a horse in the nose and who was a you know a a cop horse and um doesn't seem like he was reprimanded for that. It just seems like he was like, couldn't show his face in any precinct again. Um, and with this character that Bowser has established, especially in this episode, which we talked about, which we love that Bowser hates cops and Bowser refuses to work with the cops. Um, I was disappointed that like Bowser's departure from being a police officer wasn't something to do with like him leaving on his own accord of due to like what he understands to be about cops, what he what he says in this episode is like cops use their like, you know, authority to cover up their bad behavior after the fact. And like, it seems like he is very introspective about like the damage that law enforcement does. But that's not what got him away from police work. It was because he was like too embarrassed to continue doing it, um, which I feel like is just a little bit of a missed opportunity. Um, to have him kind of like walk away, like understanding that this is kind of fucked up rather than like, 
I wanted to still be a cop, but they 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 wouldn't accept me. Um, I feel like that's just a little that doesn't feel super genuine to like what is happening here. It felt like they were trying to uh, kind of riff on the trope of like the grizzled mentor who has a dark backstory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like they were just trying to like do like a little joke about that because, you know, a, a cop shooting a police horse is, you know, as long as, you know, cruelty to animals aside, like that's kind of a funny story. However, it is immediately charged with the fact that this came out in the year of our Lord 2020 and it is about police violence and a black man who hunts for justice and hates cops. Like it, you can't not have that character's, you know, like leaving the police force. Like there's no way that's not charged. So yeah, I totally see what you're saying, Ronnie. Yeah. What's your negative, Andy? My negative is, uh, this is a show about, evangelicals in the year of our Lord 2020 dealing with to some degree the toxicity and uh, cruelty of evangelical culture and so far the only two gay characters have been the gay villain of the, the Mean Girls gang and the very faggy jewelry seller and that's a bummer yeah uh i genuinely i'm not gonna like preemptively give this show credit but like i genuinely would be surprised if the uh like mean girl squad uh like gay boy at the school if if that's not addressed at some point, because there was dialogue in the, I think the last episode that implied to me that he and the other mean girl squad girl are dating, even though he's clearly, I mean, they are queer coded characters. They have not been stated as gay, but no, like they, it's very much telegraphing to the audience that he is gay. Like yeah. it's really, really, really clearly telegraphed. I just looked it's up on very IMDb. clearly. I just looked up on IMDb. His name is Ezekiel with a Q. So like, I mean, come on. Um, and like the jewelry designer did not come out and say like I'm attracted to men, but right. he drove a hot pink car with uh, uh, custom license plates, and I mean, you just everything get- about him. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Ar- I'm not arguing at all yeah. that they are gay. I'm just saying um I would I would be surprised if uh if that that one kid is not addressed at some point. Uh I like I said, I'm not giving the show preemptive credit, well, but um sure, even if he like ends up coming out of the closet on the show cuz right now he is only queer coded. He's still an antagonist and like He's part of the power structure that is, like, the issue. And, I mean, like, that was my problem with uh, the Taika Waititi Hitler movie. Like, he made a movie about the Holocaust, and there is a gay character, and he's a Nazi, and his coming out is played as a joke for laughs. And it's like, hey, Taika, hey, my guy, uh... You could have done this entire movie 
without that character, and it would have been like a damn perfect movie. Why'd you make a gay joke? I liked that character, and I I liked that that part of that. Anyway, we're he, not talking he's, about. He's Jojo a good. Rabbit. He's a good character. Like he's played well. Sam Rockwell is incredible, but like, it's a gay joke, and it's a Nazi, and like, it's not. It's you know that's that's the evil power structure that's killing the gay people, like. If that's the only representation, I would have rather just not had any representation. I do worry. I I do like this is something that we talked about as far as like the guns last episode where it's like there's a big glaring absurd thing that you are not dealing with that you are kind of leaning on. Um, And I and I do worry that like. If this is addressed, it is addressed in the sense of like, look, a self-hating gay like, ooh, like what a hypocrite instead of like really delving into like what is going on here and why this character is uh, portrayed like a villain. Yeah. So like, I don't know where the show is going, but that's my negative for right now. We're five episodes deep. And so far, uh, the only queer representation has been, in my opinion, uh, problematic. Yeah. And uh, I think if you're going to make any show dealing with evangelical culture set in our time, like that is the biggest glaring issue with the evangelical church at the moment is its treatment of uh, queer people. And that's going back uh, a long ass time at this point. Right. Well, I mean, this is like. The show is doing a good job of pointing out the absurdities in um, Southern and Southern evangelical culture and like giving them a hard time for it. And then the show has placed this like these gay characters here uh, or queer coded characters here. And like it, it is not representative of real evangelical culture that there would be uh, one gay person. Um, I think we can we can all like point to that as like being a little underestimating um it's it's the show kind of deciding like here's like the limited representation that is here and also um like we're deciding they're a villain instead of like this being a trope of um evangelicalism it just it just kind of feels like i don't know it it, it, I, i i agree with what you're saying andy um, and this is this is not me disagreeing. This is me trying to, like, explain where I'm at with it. Um, it just it feels like the sh- the, the uh, show is kind of like lampshading. It was like, oh, you know how these Christians hate gays and there's only one of them. Um, and then like that, you, you could do better. You could do better than that. I don't know. I don't, this I don't is have a-, a problem with either of the the gay dudes in this show. I, I don't necessarily like think they shouldn't have had those characters or had them be presented that way. I just think if you're doing a show like this show, like how this show is tackling evangelical Christianity, I think it's good and important. Um, however, I am worried that we're halfway through and they really have not, addressed what I would consider to be the biggest moral 
failing of evangelical Christianity. Like if you were to ask evangelical Christians, what's the, the, the biggest uh, issue in America, they would say gay rights. Like that is the reason why God caused nine 11. That is the reason why uh, everything bad happened in the last 50 years is because we started letting the gays, uh, you know, get the bright idea that they're allowed to have rights. And I think like, a lot of them would say abortion also. Uh, abortion would probably be be number two. You're not wrong about that. Yep, I think that's fair. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily need every show to have a gay character. I mean, I do think every show should have queer characters. But uh, specifically, it's because this is a show about evangelical Christianity. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I think it should be there. Good but show, this, though. But it's a fucking great show. Oh, so good. It's so good. It's so damn good. I am, like, eager to end this episode so that I can go watch more Teenage Bounty Hunters. I'm I, eager to end this episode so I can go to bed. I want to end this episode so I can watch Pray Away and Ooh, be sad. Ooh, that's, yeah, that, I might have to take some time before I check that out. That's, yeah, understandable. That's heavy. That's heavy. Um. Uh, as we talked about, you can go listen. Happy, happy, Annie, Annie, happy birthday! Happy birthday, Ronnie! Uh, you can go listen happy to birthday, Andy and Ronnie. Thank you, Evan. You can go listen to uh our birthday spectacular, which features a cameo uh by one Evan, um as well as other other people, other uh, partners. And, and and roommates of of the birthday birthday group, um, you could find that on uh, just go to where they may radio. You uh, let's let's be honest. If you're listening to where, to us right now, you probably already subscribed to the to the Paper Boat Productions Patreon, um, because it's most of the internet. Uh, toss a couple bucks our way, uh, where they may radio uh, dot com or or not where they. At where they may.com or at patreon.com slash WTM radio. Uh, lots of good stuff up there. Uh, bonus content, newsletters, uh, videos, uh, all kinds of cool stuff coming your way. And uh, from podcasts like where from podcasts like Ending Penning, also podcasts like Force Friends Rewatch and and fan fiction is good, actually. Mm hmm. I'm yeah, ha- yeah, yeah. I'm editing the episode with JV right now. It's almost done. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good and exciting things happening. Um, as I said, check us out, wherethemay.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at PendingPod. Uh, and you know what? Go ahead and f- throw us an Instagram, because I'm, I'm starting that back up again, at oh, EndingPending. Hell uh, yeah. We can post photos of ourselves getting drunk at a college party. Yeah. Check out that story. My mom's going to make me sleep in a tent. <laughs> um, how do we, how do we end these episodes? We're never doing Firefly. Ooh, yeah, never. Where They May Radio.